Everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkinSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. Well, I could surely get used to back-to-back NFL triple headers. Uh, I kept trying to get out of my house and doing other things, but the games just kept drawing me back in. And then it's 8.15 on Saturday night, and I've got Brady and Gronk to watch. And then it's 8.15 on Sunday night, and I've got Steelers-Browns to watch. I mean, this is crazy. These were all-day affairs, and I kind of loved it. I mean, the good news is I could turn off the Steelers-Browns game after the first quarter. Sorry, Steelers fans. That was mean. I've been there before. I remember it was, oh, 2012, maybe? Patriots were 14-2 and on the season, going into the playoffs first round, and they're going against the Jets. So very akin to Steelers-Browns. Jets had never been good, never been a problem. First round of the playoffs, and you get your butt kicked, and you're like, ooh, that kind of hurts a little bit more. So sorry, all you Steelers fans. I understand. I am kind of happy, though. Not a Steelers fan. Okay, what a weekend. For those of you who haven't listened to last week's interview with Matt Resnick, I suggest you go back and listen. For five years, Matt was the People Acquisition Director for Madison Square Garden, which includes the Knicks, the Rangers, MSG Network, MSG, the Rockettes. And he really knows his stuff when it comes to getting hired in sports. We shared a ton of tactical advice, plus some strategic thinking and planning and ways to frame your mind around the whole environment of of getting a job that can really make the difference for your career. So go listen. Coming up later this week, Nigel Eccles. Name sound familiar? Well, it should. Nigel is the co-founder of FanDuel. Yes, that FanDuel, he created it. The one he sold for $450 million and has a current valuation of, wait for it, $11.2 billion. Now, spoiler alert, I did not ask Nigel why he didn't wait a few more years to sell FanDuel and make an extra couple billion. I'm figuring that could be a sore spot for him. So it does not come up during the conversation. But we did talk a ton about leadership and creativity and establishing a culture and the growth of tech in the sports world. And we talked about his new startup, Flick, which is a sports-focused chat app, which looks super cool. And um, he's a good dude. He shared a lot of insights. And I was intimidated a little bit going into it. And not every day I talk to billionaires. Tune into that on Wednesday. Super cool. Uh, One last note because I do want to brag a little before we get into the stat line. As we start the spring semester for college students across the globe, I am proud to announce our sports career game plan is now being used in the curriculum of over 30 sports management programs. University of Florida, Grand Canyon, Ball State, Graceland, Dean, Finlay, East Carolina. There are more. I'm drawing blanks. I'm sorry. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm sorry if I didn't mention your school, but... It's really cool. We're making a really big difference in the sports industry and getting young college students to really understand what it takes to work in sports and to set them up with a strategy and plan that will make them experts entering the sports industry. So if you're listening and you are a professor, because I know a lot of professors listen to this show, um, contact me if I've piqued your interest at all because our online curriculum is really super cool. Videos, articles, downloadable worksheets, assignments, podcasts, quizzes, super cool stuff. If you're a student and I've piqued your interest, talk to your professors and have them email me because we'd be glad to sign up more schools. And if you're just an interested person, not a student, uh, we can sell it to you too. We sell direct. It's awesome. 
All right, boom. Okay, enough of the talking. Enough of me talking. Well, that's not actually that's not true at all. I've got a lot more talking to do. Enough of me pitching or talking about upcoming episodes. Let's get to the stat line. All right, here we go. Three stats to give you an update on the overall health of sports employment. Stat number one. 16,705 active sports jobs on workinsports.com. Now, that's the leading job board for the sports industry. You know it well because I talk about it every week. And when I start out every show, I tell you that I work for workinsports.com. So you should know the brand by now. Put it in context, though, that's an increase of 8% over last week. That's a big jump. About 1,000 jobs more this week than last week in total, right? There's ones that drop off and come on and drop off and come on, but there's there's an 8% change over last week, which is big. That's a big jump. I told you this was coming. January is always huge for new jobs. But even put this in deeper perspective, stat number two, we added 3,005 active new jobs in just the last week. That's a jump of wait for it, 215% week over week. Like I said, here come the jobs. First week of January, we added 915 jobs. This week, 3,005. That's what's happening in January. Stat number three, that means we added an average of 429 new jobs every day of the week last week. That's worth coming back for. That's worth looking at the job board every day. That's worth updating your resume. That's worth researching and studying and knowing what's out there. 429 new jobs every day of the week last week. Wow. Okay, second part of the stat line. Actual jobs. Job number one. Am I the only one that does that in my head all the time now? I like that tune. Okay. Public relations coordinator for the NWSL. So... The whole point of this little section of the stat line is that I'm telling you jobs that stuck out, stood out to me. Like if I was working or at entry level, what would kind of stand out to me and, and be interesting? So I see public relations coordinator for a major league, the NWSL with National Women's Soccer League. And I think that's opportunity. The NWSL office is growing to meet the demands of the changing global landscape of professional women's soccer. We're looking for individuals who desire to make an impact on the future of the sport. That's pretty cool. It's a coordinator role, and they're looking for two years of experience, which, again, I've told you this before, coordinator is a great term to search for when you're looking for entry-level jobs, because that tends to be in that early career thing, being a marketing coordinator, social media coordinator, public relations coordinator. Good entry-level jobs have the term coordinator in them. Uh, so public relations, that's a, that's a red flag to you. That's a, like a, a notice me kind of thing. If you see that term coordinator, you can generally assume it's pretty entry-level. But that's a great place to get started. And it's a great one to have on your resume, too. So when you start to build and grow, you have a PR coordinator at a major growing league. And it's in Chicago. I like Chicago. Job number two. Lead writer, consumer direct, creative studio at Nike. This job is not entry level. Being a lead writer for their consumer direct creative studio, you're going to need some real experience for this. But imagine for a second, as our lead writer for the global Jordan brand, Consumer Direct Creative Studio, you will help define and drive the implementation of our brand voice. Okay, so you're the lead writer for Jordan brand? I mean, come on. That sounds awesome. Job number three. NBA and college basketball content creator at NBC Sports. The NBA content creator will be responsible for providing original content regarding the key NBA news and events of the day, as well as selected columns. Hello, dream job. Hello. You love basketball? Well, can you write? Have you written? Do you have any proof that you can do it? 
This is why I tell people to start blogs about what they are passionate about. It's not about gaining traffic. It's about building a portfolio and having proof of concept. If you started a blog while you were in college sharing basketball news and sharing events of the day, I don't care where your traffic numbers are. I don't care how many people are looking at it. That is your portfolio that shows what you can do and it gives you experience into how content management management systems work and all the different ways that you would be ready for a job like this. So if you are interested in working in a specific sport, you got to start putting your knowledge out there. If you want to work in the sports media, start shooting videos, start having a perspective, start writing and get after it. Okay, that's the stat line. Today's question from Nathan in Virginia. Hi, Brian, I've got good news. I was laid off in July of last year due to COVID contraction, but I've been listening to the podcast, trying to enhance my skills and staying as positive as I can. I've just lined up two interviews for this week and I'm super pumped. Just wanted to let you know and say thank you for all you do. That was email number one from Nathan. Okay. That was, I don't know, mid-December, I think that he sent that to me. Okay. Brian, this is email number two. Brian, I have an update and a question. I utilized all your interviewing tips. I was confident. I made eye contact. I researched a ton. I had follow-up questions that I developed beforehand. I viewed the other person as an ally, not a threat. And I did better than I've ever done. So much so that I got not one, but two job offers last week. So what do I do now? (laughs) Nathan, I love the trust you put in me to decide your fate, but I'm not taking the bait. I'm not going to tell you which job to take because you didn't even tell me what the jobs are. I think you're being somewhat funny, but I also want to talk to you because I can help you with evaluation and negotiation so you can know which is best for you, where you fit best, where you're culturally match and sets you up for success in your career. Now, the reason I won't decide for you is because what sounds awesome to me may sound like hell to you. I mean, this is a very personal choice, what jobs you want to take. And you know what you, what your, where your spirit is and what you're interested in better than I ever could. But you do have some leverage in the decision-making. With two job offers, you aren't desperate. So let's negotiate a little, shall we? Now, this isn't high school. You can't just come right out and say, well, this other this other guy or gal is interested in me in hopes that it'll make your future, your, your true desire, jelly, and come your way. Nope, that crap doesn't work on this level. You can't go into one of the businesses and say, well, I have this other offer I'm considering. That's not going to make them jealous enough to up their offer. They may just say, oh, good luck with that. Have fun. You know, that's kind of juvenile negotiation, thinking you have leverage. What I mean is in your mind, you have leverage because, you know, you have two options so you can really be decisive and know and make a choice, not based on any kind of desperation like, oh, I haven't worked in a long time, so I got to take this job. No, you have two choices, right? You have some leverage to make a decision. You have some time on your hands. Make it smart. My advice is that we start to negotiate a little bit and understand which job comes to the top on a lot of different categories. And to to negotiate, you have to be armed with data and research. No one is just going to give you more money or more benefits. You need to ask for them and you need to back it up with research. So let's walk through this a little bit. Okay. Again, the point is, if you just say, you know what, I think I'm worth a little more than that. That's not good enough, right? You got to have the research. So number one, number one piece of advice I can give you as you evaluate yourself in the marketplace, and this fits for anybody, is to know your worth. What are people in your area that do this job getting paid? Now, resources, Payscale and Glassdoor are good for research, right? But so is asking other people you know in the industry. This sounds kind of icky. It sounds a little creepy. It sounds a little like, eh, but trust me, it's okay. 
If you have a contact in partnership activation and that's what you are trying to work in, tell them you have a job offer on the table and you're trying to figure out a rough idea of their yearly salary so that you can negotiate and understand the worth of the role. Once they share that, do some cost of living calculations and comparisons, right? Because they might live in Phoenix and you may be looking to work in New York and there is a different pay scale in different markets. And there are tons of calculators out there that can help you determine this. So if somebody says, hey, I'm making 48K doing this job in Phoenix. Well, you can put that into some cost of living calculators and it will come back and maybe it says 59.5, right? There you go. You've got context now. Now you can say, okay, does their offer match up? Is it way low? Is it fair? Where are we? Because you cannot really know how to negotiate unless you know your worth and the worth of the role based on your experience and all those other things. So get to that part first. I actually think you should get, do some of that evaluation before you even get started looking. So you have a frame of reference. But now that you're here, make sure you do that. Number two, give yourself some room. If you go to Payscale or a Glassdoor, they'll probably give you a pay range, right? Because they're trying to apply to a lot of different marketplaces. Like they might say between 45 and 60,000. All right. Start at the high end with your, um, two, there's a two part thing here. Start at the high end, right? And be specific. Okay. Say something like 59,500 is what you'd like, right? And this does two things. One, it gives you some wiggle room as they negotiate, right? So you're on the high end of the scale that you've seen, right? The range. It gives you some wiggle room. So if you um, start at 59,500 and they come down to 55, well, that's a lot better than starting at somewhere in the middle at 52 and they get you down to 48, right? There's going to have to be some wiggle room in there. So start on the high side, start on the high side of the range. It gives you some extra just psychological advantage in the negotiation. Also, throw out a very specific number. I kept saying 59,500. There is a psychological assumption that you've done your research if you give a somewhat unique number, 58,750. You know, I feel like that's my worth based on the research that I've done. That tells them you've done the work and the research. If you just throw out 60K, then it just sounds like you're throwing out numbers arbitrarily. And it's not just that it sounds good, this is no joke. It's been proven by researchers at Columbia Business School that if you give a very specific number, the other person assumes, all right, they've put in some work here. This isn't just a random, I'm just going to throw out a digit, right? Okay. Number three, don't do a range. Don't say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go between 25 and 35K. Have of a specific number. Saying between 25 and 35, you know what that means? It's a red flag to, not a red flag, but it's just like a, a beacon to the recruiter or hiring manager to say, great, we'll go offer you 25, right? We'll start there. And then immediately they start to seize on that and offer you something near the low end of that range. If you say a specific number, more time towards the high end of that range. So if you were saying your range that you saw on glass or pay scale is 25 to 35, well, give them, you know, 35, 34, 750, you know, I, I really think from all the research I've done that the value of this role and my experience and what I can bring to the table here, 34,750, that's way more powerful of saying between 25 and 35, 
right? So stay away from the ranges, even though that that seems more comfortable. People say a range because it makes them more comfortable, but it doesn't benefit you, right? It makes you get away from the fear. You're like, oh, I don't want to sound too, too, like I'm asking for too much. So I'll tell them between 25 and uh, 90. (laughs) And then they say, great, I'll give you 25, right? Because it makes you more comfortable rather than coming out and saying, no, this is what I want. Well, in this situation, you have to get over that fear, get away from the range, give them specifically what you want. And as long as it's backed up, you're good. Okay. Now, number four, I personally, just personal side here, I've always feared asking for too much. Don't fear this. Unless you are way out of line and haven't done good research, asking for what you are worth plus a little bit isn't going to scare someone off. This is just what we tell ourselves psychologically that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to knock ourselves out of contention if we say too high. Now, listen, if they like you enough to offer you a job, their worst they're going to do is counter. The best they will do is come up closer to where you want. As long as you're being reasonable and aggressive, but not stupid, you aren't going to remove yourself from play, right? If, they, if, if they're talking about this job being worth 50, you've done some research and you think it's more like 58, well, then that's a good, that's a good number to come in at. Don't come in at 75, right? Because then you're just not being reasonable, right? So be in the reasonable range, but be aggressive and then you'll be okay. Number five, prioritize your requests. Everyone has different needs and establishes them differently. So write your, figure out your priorities in advance and be ready to explain and use them. You may feel salary is most important to you, followed by location and then vacation time and signing bonus and commission or rev shares or whatever else, little bonuses. You can come out and ask them what their priorities are, and then you guys can look for mutual acceptable trade-offs right? Negotiation isn't always about winning. It's about a balance of needs and wants. So if you know what's most important to you and other things that aren't as important to you, and they can share that as well, you can start to get into a productive conversation. This isn't supposed to be like all out war. Okay. Number six, do not mention personal needs. Okay. Don't mention that your rent has gone up. Your mom's in the hospital. Your dog needs a hip replacement. Those are not reasons for an employer to pay you more. They're paying you based on your worth. So stick to your market value, your research, your cost of living locally. I guess that wasn't a great example saying that your rent has gone up. But I mean, in general, like if you have something going on in your life that affects that you need more money, that's your that's your issue. I'm paying you not because your dog needs a hip replacement. I'm paying you based on your worth. So know that. Stick to that. Don't mention personal needs because that comes across really weak. Number seven. Don't make threats. This kind of gets back to what I was saying at the beginning. Don't try to leverage like, I got this other offer, so I don't really need you. That's not going to work. Okay. And on top of that, keep the conversation positive. If you win the negotiation, but have been a real jerk in the process, remember, you're going to be working with this person afterwards. And that can be awkward. Even if you're being rude to a recruiter, they may say, look, this guy is really good. This guy or gal is really good. I think we want them. But they were kind of a dick in this process. And that's going to start to get around, right? They're going to start to know that. So they're going to say, this person was kind of difficult in the, in the process and keep an eye on them. Right. And then you don't want that reputation. So keep things positive. Don't, don't be threatening. Don't be difficult. Understand and be flexible a bit, write everything. If you're doing things through email in an extremely professional and, and upbeat kind of way, it's not confrontational. Don't make threats. And number eight, remember what you want. Think big and long-term. Look, at the end of the day, negotiation is super important. But if you have one job that lines you up in a career you really want and gives you incredible future potential, don't throw that out because you didn't get everything you want. Personally, I've negotiated tons of times. I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. I've negotiated, though, and sometimes I've gotten a little bit more. 
but realized that was it, right? So I negotiated, they gave me a little bit more. I wanted a little bit more than that, but I realized that was it. Like that was all there was. I wasn't gonna win this outright. So then it's on me to evaluate the long-term projection of the role and whether it was worth it to say, okay, I can, you know, I'm I'm willing to take it. This is something that's going to benefit me and they've done everything they can. And I like the culture and I like all these other things. And I can see this future being important for me. I can literally think of three times that I eventually walked away from a negotiation and said, sorry, this just doesn't, it doesn't pencil for me. It just doesn't work. I'm sorry. It's just not going to work out. And I can think of two times that I was willing to take an offer that wasn't exactly what I wanted to be, but I had negotiated as far as I was going to get. And then I evaluated it and said, you know what? I still want it. Sometimes you got to walk. Nothing wrong with doing that either. So Nathan, as you go through this process and evaluate all this and everybody out there listening, understand that this situation you can make it work for you if you go about it in a really smart and research-based way. Based. I didn't pronounce that right. Based way. I'm not editing any of this stuff out. This is just me. So you get the best of me and you get the worst of me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Nigel Eccles on Wednesday. Tune in for that. Subscribe, rate, review, all that important stuff. I love having you in the audience and I want to continue to grow. So the more you can help me with that, the more I appreciate you. All right, let's get to work. 2021, baby.